You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association, Oklahoma. I'm your host for today, Matt Dean, and my guest is a dear friend of mine down here in Tulsa, who I consider a sister, Kenyari Porter. We will be discussing Juneteenth, the official end of slavery for African-Americans around the United States, as well as its past, its present, and its future. So to provide a brief history of Juneteenth, Juneteenth, also known as Emancipation Day and Jubilee Day, is an annual celebration of the emancipation of slavery in the United States. The name, which is a portmanteau of June and 19th, alludes to June 19th, 1865, the day in which General Order Number 3, transmitting the news of the Emancipation Proclamation, was read by Union Major General Gordon Granger to enslaved African Americans in Galveston, Texas. To say this process was long overdue would be an understatement as the order was declared over a month after the Civil War ended and two years after the Emancipation Proclamation was issued by President Abraham Lincoln. At the time of the proclamation, the Union did not have enough troops in Texas to spread the word. With the surrender of Confederate General Robert E. Lee, however, the Union forces were then strong enough to enforce it. This would subsequently make Texas the last United State to receive this news, thus marking the official end of slavery across the country. So while Juneteenth is by no means a new holiday, it has gained more mainstream prominence in recent years, in part thanks to TV programs like Blackish and Atlanta on FX. We're so glad that Kenyari is here on the Mental Health Download today. Kenyari, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Yesterday, the Senate unanimously approved a bill to make Juneteenth a federal holiday. When did you first learn of Juneteenth? I first learned of Juneteenth actually on the show Blackish. But I always knew about it, but I never knew what it was. It wasn't a subject you could talk about. And so whenever I saw the episode about Juneteenth, I was just like, so wait, that's our day. And when I first saw that episode, I thought to myself, Juneteenth? That sounds like a made-up name. But the episode received praise and acclaim for acknowledging the holiday. And that led to more articles being published about Juneteenth and its history, which I looked into after the fact. And then I thought, hold up. We've had our own Independence Day this whole time, and I'm only finding out about it now. It's just like you never learn these things until you're it's too late or you're much older. So I was also kind of taken aback by the fact that no one talked, no one in my immediate circles, no one in my family knew about it or talked about it. And not to say that they didn't want me to know about it. It's just that it's just something that was never taught. It's not like you always grew up hearing about like the Fourth of July and like the. I was it the Boston Tea Party that Yeah, the Boston Tea Party, yes. Yeah, the Boston Tea Party. And, but you never heard about a lot of the Black history. Yeah, I similarly learned about the race massacre on social media, like a few years after I graduated from ORU way back when. And that was kind of a harrowing moment because that was also a moment when I thought, this happened this many years ago and I was living in Tulsa and I never learned about this when I was living in Tulsa and attending school down here. It's bittersweet because there's so much that hasn't been taught and that we're only now learning about. But what matters is that we're learning about these things now. And that's important. So we can teach the future generations. We can be those instructors and those mentors for them. Although slavery was abolished nearly 160 years ago, we still feel its effects in the present. It has mutated in the form of systematic racism and lives on in our institutions, from our prison infrastructures to police brutality, the latter of which has led to many innocent Black lives being lost. Tying back to the theme of our podcast, what are some ways that this has all impacted Black mental health as a whole? Each generation was fighting for something or was always in some type of struggle. 
Then it was slavery. Then you had the Jim Crow. Then you had the segregation. Then you had the police. And then now we're having police brutality. It's like, no matter the generation, we're always fighting. Like, we know what happened back then, but it's still happening today. That's one thing I would have to say is that that affects mental health because you're having to see people like you being murdered and killed. Yeah. A lot of those battles that our ancestors were fighting centuries ago, we're still fighting similar battles in the present. It's just something that we in each generation inherits, unfortunately. It's just like seeing so many white people in my either people who I've met either at school or other parts of life. And they're just like jumping through every hoop to justify black lives being killed or protesters being run over in the street by trucks. And yet they don't want to confront, they don't live in a post-racist society that just doesn't exist. And it's just no matter how many times you try to ignore it, this is the reality that I'm in. This is the reality I'm living in. This is the reality you're living in. And if you just listen to us, then maybe we can get somewhere. And that makes me all the more thankful for the people who are our allies, who are willing to listen, who are willing to check their blind spots, who are willing to acknowledge their privilege, who are willing to go that extra mile. But some people who are so resistant and so stubborn, it's just like, if you're not willing to listen to me and other people like me, then I, this is just where we part ways, unfortunately. And I can't tell you the number of friends or contacts that I've had to sever just because it got to that point. Can't love me and hate my people. So we all joke about how 2020 was the year of vision, but it very much was the year of vision as far as like looking at civil rights and a bunch of other things in the world. Really? It was like some things came out of the woodwork. <laughs> oh yeah, especially regarding topics which we'll cover later. White privilege is real. Mm-hmm. Real. It sure is. Let's keep it real. It is a real thing. Because there are some things that white people will never understand when it comes to what we go through. Independence Day is still widely known and celebrated throughout the United States. While it is a celebration of freedom, it is not so much a day of recognition for our people as we remained enslaved well after the Declaration of Independence was signed. For our listeners at home, Explain why it's so important for white Americans to make the distinction between Juneteenth and Independence Day. Well, now it's finally a federal holiday after how long is it been? 156 years. 156 years. <laughs> yeah. But hey, I'm not complaining. At least people know about it. At least people are talking. And I just want to first point out say I respect, I respect America. I respect like people that serve. I respect, I just respect. I have a lot of respect. I love this country, even though it does not love me sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so for us, it is a big deal because it was the day that our, my ancestors, my great, great, great grandmother was free. We have our own days. And so we, that needs to be acknowledged. Because America is a melting pot of everybody, everybody and everything. Like, it's a huge, huge day in history. Mm -hmm. Like, in American history, it's not just Black history, it's American history. Yeah, absolutely. Even though Juneteenth is a recognition of the ending of slavery in America, it is important for our white allies to know you're absolutely right. It's still a part of American history because we've been here and we're not going anywhere. America has shown that black lives really just don't matter sometimes. And I just want to say this. I am so proud and so honored to be black because we are so resilient and we are so strong despite everything we have been 
thrown at, thrown to, been through, dragged through, like we still bounce back and we still have that connection for each other. We could be in a store, like and down the street in a car. We just nod at each other. Just like, what's up, brother? What's up, sister? Yeah. It's just like, that's how we are because we know what the struggle is with, because like, even though you might be, <laughs> I'm going to say it, like all black lives got to matter. So even the ones that like didn't have to struggle, like, because even though you didn't, Struggle, there's still struggle being black. There's still struggle being black. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a huge it's a struggle. But like I said, I'm just so just amazed by us because we're just so resilient and so we bounce back. Even though if we get taken, we get hit after hit after hit, we bounce back. And we bounce back better than ever. I'm proud of it. I'm like, shoot. I mean, of course, a few years ago, I probably wouldn't have said that because it was just like, I still was kind of trying to fill my skin. And because you kind of forget that, at least for me, growing up in like predominantly white schools and suburbs, I kind of forgot that I was like black. I would look around and see people with like straight hair. I would look around and see people with like, that were like thinner than me. And it's just like, so if I don't look like that, something's wrong with me. But I had to learn that, nah, God made me exactly who I'm supposed to be. Me and all. Black and all. Black and beautiful. <laughs> yeah, amen to that. I should mention up to this point, like, I'm also a suburb kid. I didn't grow up in the city or anything like that. I had a pretty decent upbringing. I, you know, pretty sh sheltered, all things considered. And this is, just keep that in mind when I'm describing everything I'm about to say. I had my own experience where I was profiled by law enforcement. This is the summer of 2012 because this was after I returned back to Michigan for my freshman year of college. And I was borrowing my dad's vehicle to pick up some boxes that I had shipped up from Tulsa. And I was heading back home when I noticed that I was ambushed by an undercover vehicle. And at first I just heard sirens and I'm like, where's this coming from? It's really loud. I'm getting worried. And then I kid you not, this undercover vehicle speeds up next to me in the lane across from me. And I see this big, scary officer just yelling through his window at me to pull over. And I'm like, oh my God, what is happening? <laughs> I'm scared out of my mind. I pull over at this gas station. The next thing I know, he orders me out of the car. He puts me in an arm lock. He presses me up against the vehicle and he just starts bellowing at me at the top of his lungs. And I'm just like fearing for my life. I don't know what's going to happen to me. I don't know if I'm going to get beat up or shot or both. This has never happened to me before. And I was only, it's probably not even 19 yet. It's just, and this was happening. This is all happening to me. And for so long, I was in predominantly white spaces. I tend to be of a more lighter skin tone. And they just, for so long, I thought, you know, if I'm around black people who are darker skin than me, I feel like an outlier. But then when I'm around other white people, I feel like an outlier. And it was in that moment that I was being pressed up against the car, being yelled at me, fearing for my life. It's just that was a harrowing, bittersweet reminder that like, I am a black man in America. That's what racism, that's what racists, that's what prejudice is going to see me as. So, but yeah, back to my story. So he's yelling at me. I forgot what he was even asking me at this point, because I'd blocked out so much of this memory at this point. And it's almost been 10 years, but I just couldn't formulate an answer to his questions or a coherent answer to his questions. just because I was stuttering and stammering. And at some point, this other cop comes over and he's like he's shorter and he speaks in a calmer tone. And like, eventually they deduced that I wasn't up to any nefarious activity and they just let me go. And after the dust had settled and after they left, I just sat in my dad's vehicle and I just hyperventilated for a good two or three minutes because I thought I was going to die that day. 
And keep in mind, this is a few years before the Black Lives Matter movement really took off. So there were no smartphones filming me. There was no one out there recording it. They, they could have just, if they did something, they could have gotten away with it. I mean, if it happened like in this day and age, I'd probably be memorialized in a hashtag, hashtag Matt Dean, justice for Matt Dean. And it's just like, I never want to be a hashtag. I hope that never happens where I just, that's my legacy. Yeah. No. I'm sorry. I'm like about to like start crying. Oh. <laughs> so thank you for being vulnerable enough to like share that. So I know yeah. you shared that with any, like really anybody. Yeah. That actually leads to like, kind of like the conclusion that I came to that, which is a, a bit of a happier note, a, a more somber, but still a little bit happier. So like that was such a traumatizing experience. Like I didn't talk about it for like another four years in 2016. <laughs> I did confide in a few people right. that I was close to. And it was after that that I realized that I had been racially profiled. The officers thought I was hauling drugs or something illegal or whatever. But it wasn't until afterwards I thought, huh, they thought I was up to no good because I'm black. And then I was like, wow, these are all things that we deal with. And that's why it's, it's so important to find people to confide in and share these things so they're not eating away at our soul, eating away at our being. And that kind of segues to like, kind of like the epilogue of my story in mm -hmm. which I opened up more about my experience. It's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. It sparked this discussion on social media, especially my male black friends. They were just opening up about their own experiences dealing with Long. profiling and police racism and similar stories. And seeing everyone open up, people whom I didn't even know dealt with such things. That kind of empowered me to publicly share my police profiling story. And that was the first time that I shared it on a public forum. And that was the first time my parents saw it because I didn't tell them. I was so scared about what would happen if they found out that happened when I was using my dad's vehicle. And then when they did eventually find out, they like, I mean, they asked me a few questions, but then after that, it's just like, it's this bittersweet mutual understanding that like the 1950s and the 1960s and the 2010s, these are still things that we deal with generations later. Reading their stories and then sharing mine publicly was a huge step in me walking towards that slow healing process. And that's not to say that I'm fully there yet, but being able to open up and share it, you know, I'm sharing it now on, on this podcast. I would, I would have been so scared to say this in 2013 or 2015, but it's been a slow healing process to work through that and find some sort of resolve. So kind of bringing it back to kind of the educational process of Juneteenth and all that, how would you inspire other African-Americans to learn about Juneteenth? First, I want to say is that don't feel guilty, whether you're black or white, because like I said, this was hidden for a long time. So it's okay to learn. It's okay to be disappointed that you didn't know until now. It's okay to, but just learn from what you learn then turn it around and just move like just keep it moving like not keep it moving but just keep learning because like i said we have our own thing we have our own day obviously mm -hmm. dependence day and so yeah don't feel guilty about it because i remember i felt really guilty and i actually had people shame me sometimes just like what are you talking about like trying to like questioning me or it's just like and so it made me question myself, but I was just like, no, we have our own anthem. We have our own language. We have our own day. We, we have created so many things in America that not even America knows. Yeah. 
Like literally the traffic light, pad, the trash can. We're all invented peanut butter, bro. Was invented by black people. Yeah. African-American if we're being a professional. (laughs) We created so much. We've built so much. We've learned so much. We've created so much. And now it's our time to learn about it. And like I said before, it's not just a black history thing, though. This is American history because it all ties in together. Like it intertwines. Yes, it's our history, but it intertwines with each other. Yeah, kind of going back to all the pioneers, a black man by the name of Jerry Lawson was responsible for creating the first video game cartridge. We wouldn't have video games as we are, as they have them now. It's just like so many amazing inventions. We're so creative. (laughs) Oh, man. There's so much amazing history. Yeah, I would just say, just be inspired. Because even though it's a struggle and it's hard being Black, just we are, re- like I said, we are resilient. And we bounce back. We're stronger than we know. Yeah, there's so much rich Black history that we're just unaware of. Mm-hmm. And it's just so important to know where we've come from and how much we've done and contributed to society. Like I attended a Black Montessori from preschool to kindergarten. So a lot of those historical pioneers, such as the inventor of the traffic light and George Washington Carver Jr., I learned those things and I kind of took that for granted because then when I come across people who haven't learned about A, B, and C, I'm just like, you didn't know about A, B, and C, but then I think everyone didn't have the same upbringing and education as me. I mean, that's not a bad thing now because we live in such a connected world and we have a world's worth of information at our fingertips at any moment. And it's so beautiful that we can just hop on Google and then look up a list of different African-American pioneers and inventors in two seconds. It's just, it's amazing. So there's no excuse not to learn, you know, kind of in that same vein. Asking about kind of just explaining concepts is one thing or just asking us about our history is one thing, but it's important for you to also do your own legwork. You know, we can't, we're, I'm not your personal encyclopedia. That's just, I'm not, that's not going to happen. If you, like I said, we live in a technology driven interconnected world where we, again, we have a world's worth of information at our fingertips. If you have a phone or a laptop, there's no reason you can't find out these things for yourself. And if, you know, if it gets to the point where, you know, you really are trying to be argumentative or you're just being deliberately obstinate, if you really cared, then you'd continue doing your own research on your own and not just relying on the one or two black people in your life to explain it to you. Because the black experience is universal and everyone's black experience is, there are many aspects that are similar and intertwined and there are other aspects that are wholly unique. And having one black friend or however many black friends isn't going to cut it. You got to do more homework and you got to look into other experiences and other information. But just be mindful. Like I just heard someone, I heard someone say that it was like, it's different hearing it from someone else, hearing someone's real experience with it than looking it up on the internet. Sure. And plus the internet is not always truthful. And the media is not always in our corner. It might be 10%, 20 at the most in our favor sometimes. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so it's hard because it's like, you want to go to the internet, but sometimes it's not true. And so, but just be mindful, I would just say, just be mindful of just the people or just the black people or people of color that you're talking to about these topics, because these are fresh wounds for us. These are daily struggles for us. These are, these are our battles. These are our battle scars. 
we wear it with pride, but it still hurts. Yes, absolutely. Well said. So to my understanding, you are a new co-author of your very own book. Would you like to talk about that? Yes. Oh, my goodness. The Visionary is Madonna Braddock. It is called The Cards of Life, Volume 1, and it's called Finding Your Winning Hand. It's made up of mostly African-American women, and we just want to share our story of overcoming. So some people are talking about foster care, living in foster care. Some people are talking about what it's like living with special needs. Some people are talking about what it was like living in poverty and just having to go just through the struggle, but always overcoming. So that's what it says. The narratives of teens and young adult ladies overcoming pain, finding resilience, and their voices. All the links to the book will be in the show notes. So as we close out the podcast, we always like to ask the guests to share one final bit of wisdom or parting thoughts. I really do have a heart for racial injustice and just justice, period. And just, I just have a heart for it. I have a heart for our people. And I just have a heart for people, period. You are Black and you're listening to Just keep fighting. I know it gets hard and I know it can get very ugly sometimes. We are more resilient than you know. Let's celebrate this Juneteenth. It is finally a federal holiday, so you're going to get paid. Mm-hmm. You're going to get to celebrate. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so let's for real celebrate this moment together. This is our day to finally celebrate our independence. 